The Meet Crystal Conning edition of the Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has just added Pick'em Scorchers, where you can win 100 times, that's right, turn $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. We're also brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SGP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SGP. Finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And folks, as always, it's all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all a dream. We used to read Blood Horse Magazine. I've got my Cuban link yes, on. Yes, Cuban B. And I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oakland. I got ice all over my body, looking like a snowman. Big rocks in the grill, dancing like a slow jam. My chain's so heavy, I'm walking like an old man. Try me, you. How's it going? And also, I mean, it's the month of October. So, of course, uh, all October long, we'll be celebrating the month of Poppin' Locktober. So, happy Poppin' Locktober, everybody. Yeah, all right, that's enough sound drops. Uh, fun day here. Uh, this is not our first international guest, but this is our first Aussie guest. So, you know, advanced congratulations to her for breaking barriers. Let's go ahead and say that. Uh, according to Equal Bay, she's got 1.2 million in career earnings as a jockey. She spent her summer as an analyst and paddock reporter at Monmouth Park in New Jersey. And now she's joining the revamped team at Oakland Park uh, in the same position. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Conning. How's it going, Crystal? It's going great. Thank you for having me on. So how does it feel to be the the first Aussie to, to really kind of punch through the the I, I don't know the American ceiling in this case I'm not sure what to call it um it's good um I don't know if I'm the first though because we've got uh Dubsy on TVG doing a pretty awesome job as well but uh it's definitely cool it's it's fun to sort of do something different and uh I feel like I don't have an accent anymore but apparently I it stands out quite a lot still which is funny <laughs> I I mean I've certainly heard like way thicker Australian accents, but I could definitely tell you are you are from Australia. But to be fair, most of what I know of Australia comes from watching episodes of Mr. In Between and also Summer Heights High, uh, which I feel like are on two very like opposite ends of the spectrum. I can't believe you've seen Summer Heights High. That's amazing. Oh yeah. I, I want to say I even saw the the spinoff, the Jonah from Tonga, like that that whole thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Ms- Mr. G is an icon. I will have, I will have, you know, um, so I, I asked my friends before I did my first ever like interview, uh, episode for a question to ask. I think it was Jason Barkley and they produced something that was so good that I now ask it to every single other person who comes on. Would you rather fight one horse sized squirrel or 100 sized horses? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, what can I, what, what can I bring to the battle? Like, 
I, I like that you're thinking about how can I procure, you know, <laughs> how can I get the upper hand in either one of these tangles? Um, I, I think it's, I think it's just bare knuckles, uh, no, no weapons, uh, any sort of martial art you prefer. Okay. Probably the, the hundred, uh, horse sized squirrels. That is correct. That I've decided that that is there is a correct answer to this, and and it's definitely the hundred uh, squirrel sized uh, horses because I think a horse sized squirrel would just soon dominate uh, the the world. Uh, speaking of horses, though, uh, what when would you say you first kind of like fell in love with riding horses? When when did you know it was your thing? Um, I didn't really have a choice, honestly. It was just bred into me. Um, I started getting on horses when I was like. Three, I think mom and dad bought me a pony, but my mom rode, um, both my grandfathers trained. So it was just always in the stars, I guess, for me. Um, I can't ever remember not having a horse in the backyard as a kid or whatever and riding. So it's just kind of part of who I am, really. Is that Was that, I guess, fairly common for where you grew up in Australia as well? Just everyone kind of grew up riding and having a horse around or, you know, are you, is it just kind of unique for your family? Um, it's definitely very popular back home, um, especially the equestrian sort of scene, which is what I grew up in. Um, I wouldn't say like everybody, everybody rode, but yeah, like it's, it's a more, a more accessible sport, I think in Australia than here, like mm -hmm. you can get a horse for free off the track and you can keep it somewhere fairly affordable and, you know, right. it doesn't cost thousands and thousands of dollars to go to like you know, entry level of shows like it does here. It's not such a kind of elitist kind of sport as it is so much here. So it's definitely a bit more accessible. So yeah, we had plenty of friends that rode when I was a kid and it was, it was a good way to grow up. So how did the jump from equestrian to, to, you know, like race riding jockey come? What, what was the, the bump, the move there? Uh, well, so I always uh, kind of wanted to be a jock and uh, my mom, she, you know, she knew the game and she was uh, not so thrilled on the idea. She knew, you know, it's not so much that it's dangerous. I mean, obviously that, but, you know, she just knows it's a tough, it's a tough deal. And, and uh, so she kind of tried to sway me to stay with the uh, equestrian stuff as long as I could. And uh, it, I did. I rode all through my teens and in my early 20s um, at, you know, the top sort of Olympic level and, and rode for Australia and did all that sort of achieved a lot with the jumping horses and event horses. Um, but then eventually, you know, I left home and blah, blah, blah. And I started galloping racehorses to pay for the show horses. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, this is where I was supposed to be. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I guess you can be competitive and equestrian as, as well, but like, uh, do you feel like maybe that you're a little bit more, you know, like throwing elbows kind of competitive and that, that might, you know, be the reason that you wanted to be a jock more? I think so. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, the eventing is obviously very, very competitive, but it's to, for the most part, like it's an individual sport. It's you and your horse. And, um, you know, it, it's a different kind of competitiveness, whereas like race riding is just, you know, you're out okay. there with 12 other riders and horses and it's, yeah, it's kind of scrappy and fun. And yeah, I like it. I like that kind of difference. Yeah. You know, for me, at least, whenever I'm watching Australian racing, like, it always looks just so much different than, than like, how an American race unfolds. What what do you think the key difference is? I know a lot of it is that you guys run the vast majority of your races on turf versus being, you know, a lot of being on the dirt here. Uh, and that might play a little bit into it. But do you think just, like, the tactics are different or, or, or you know, is it a different just type of horse? 
Um, yeah, all of that. So obviously the surface is, plays a huge part. Um, it's, you know, 95% turf racing. We have a little bit of synthetic racing now. Um, yeah. And just tactically, it's totally different. You know, like here, it's all about early speed. You know, the horse's quickest furlong is going to be, you know, from the gate to the half mile or whatever. Whereas Australia, you know, they come home quicker than they start. Um, you know, here it's all about being good out of the gate and being able to, you know, get one up running early, whereas home it's like you kind of just break over their neck and kind of put them where they're comfortable. You don't want to rush them too much early. They race a lot tighter at home. Like if you watch like the jockey cams from Australia, like they're all like touching each other, like they're all over each other the whole way. You have to be, it's a different kind of riding. Like, um, you know, it's, you have to be really strong at home to like hold them in those spots, you know, to racing really right. tight and they're not, they're not usually going that quick, especially when they start to stretch out past, you know, seven furlongs or a mile, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not uncommon to run a mile and a half every day. So those, the tempo on those races is so slow. And, and so like, you know, the horses are pulling really hard and you've just got to be strong enough to like, you know, hold them in those spots, which when I rode in Australia, I never was confident that I was strong, you know. And then when I come over here and started riding, like there's been very few times where I've been like, oh, like I'm in a bad spot. This horse is, you know, I traveling too too hard. I can't hold this horse backwards. But the horses just travel different, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I I think about watching Australian races and I see whoever ran out to the front and all I can think is critical mistake, my friend. <laughs> Worst way to win an Australian race to go run in front of everyone else is to lead the race apparently yeah it's uh but it's also a way more exciting brand of, of racing like yeah. i mean watching winks and hail horses from like you know seven furlongs back and in a flash he's at the finish line amazing you know i it's it's i think it's a pretty like appealing i'd rather see that than kind of the american style of you know let me just run everybody into the ground like uh i played ultimate frisbee in college i remember the least fun team to play was uh uh, the team from one of the like the Bible colleges that like didn't drink or smoke or or like party like their idea of fun was just to run fast for a really long time. I was like, do you guys get what Ultimate Frisbee is actually <laughs> about? Uh, and for them, it was about winning. For me, it was about uh, party. Yeah. All right, folks, got to get a word in from our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They have a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog has just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick them Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100 times payout. And for a limited time, Underdog is extending the first deposit bonus up to $500. Plus, they have their $100,000 Sundays continuing on Underdog Fantasy. Ten lucky players will win 10 k each. Toss out an Underdog spicy play that you like. I don't know. I I just read the instruction uh, to the ad there. Uh, I I don't... I gonna give you the truth people i've been so bad at tossing out spicy plays that the spicy play i have is not to listen to me for spicy plays so watch along make your picks and maybe make a little cash over on underdog's mobile app or website underdogfantasy.com when you sign up with the promo code sgpn underdog will double your first deposit up to 500 that's underdog's fantasy promo code sgpn and we are also brought to you by manscaped i apologize in advance for having to read this one crystal uh they've taken a step up from balloween to bring you their cleanest shave ever that's right they have the all new handyman which is to help folks with their beard maybe spooky season but you don't want to scare people with a scraggly beard this feels just personal at this point give them something to look at with manscaped handyman are you tired of bad razors making your neck look like a scary movie i want to 
the barber not that long ago, and the dude had the dullest, just like beard sculpting razor. Made me feel like I was getting hit in the neck with a weed whacker. You don't have to worry about that because the handyman keeps his trimming tools sharp. That's right. Check it out. Plus, they have the beard hedger, which lets you sharp. You know, you can do a noodle stash if you want. Shave out everything in the middle. Leave the rest. The world is your oyster with these tools from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SGP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SGP. Check it out. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code SGP for 20% off and free shipping. All right. That was actually, I'll be honest, that is uh, the least offensive like Manscaped ad that I've read uh, yet to this point like i there's so many just like fruit and veggie entendre that i'm so like i would have been embarrassed to to read those to our guests all right so we're just talking about the difference between australian racing versus american racing now when did you actually decide to make the transition to racing in you know in the united states leave australia where you're from which by the way i feel like you guys swear better than we do i wish that we had the same like cursing language <laughs> as as australians so why why did you give up all the delicious curse words to come to the united states um well as my friends will tell you i've probably only partially given them up but um <laughs> <laughs> um so i came over here in uh 2018 uh just for like a vacation um I had three friends from home that had moved over here to different parts. And so I was like, well, I'll just go and, you know, hang out with them and whatever. And so I spent a couple of weeks in San Francisco, a couple of weeks in New York City. And then uh, my other friend was in Kentucky. Uh, mm -hmm. So I ended up in Kentucky at the end of the trip and um, saw Keeneland and uh, was like, oh, maybe I'll uh, go, you know, just check it out one morning. So um, anyway, I ended up going over there with her next door neighbor who, was a vet and knew all the trainers and stuff so he took me over there and first barn I walk into is Rusty Arnold George Arnold and uh get to chatting to him and I'm like hey can I come in and just like get on a couple or whatever to see how you guys do it so next morning I come in I get on one um yell at one and he's like oh do you want to come tomorrow and I was like yeah okay cool come in the next day get on a couple and then ended up staying I had six weeks left on my visa and, and ended up staying and, and getting you know riding for them um okay. in the mornings and uh uh yeah Rusty and his wife were just said you know are you uh you know would you be interested in coming back or whatever and I, I thought yeah let's do it so um they, they sponsored me for my visa and and got me back here it took me nearly a year to get back with the visas and stuff but um right. so yeah I landed here in uh 20 Sorry, 2018. I came 2017 the first time. Yeah, so I actually officially got back 2018 in mm -hmm. August and uh, galloped for Rusty and his wife, Sarah, for a couple of years there in Kentucky and Florida and just was so, so lucky um, to to land with them. Like, I didn't know the first thing about American racing when I got here. Like, I barely, probably didn't even know who Bob Beckett was, honestly. Like, right. <laughs> had no idea. So just was so lucky to land there and, and be taken care of so well by those guys. It was awesome. So you, you go, you know, you, you've, you raced for a few, few years as a jockey, uh, you know, Churchill Downs, uh, Turfway, it looked like, as well as Turf Paradise, uh, Canterbury, it looks like that was the last place you were riding. Uh, and then you make another transition, which is you kind of start to transition to the, in front of the camera role as a you know racing analyst paddock reporter how did you kind of get into making that transition were you ever a person who was like in front of the camera a lot as a as a kid or before 
No, not at all. And I'm uh, I'm actually by nature quite shy and introverted. So it's absolutely not anything that I ever thought was in the uh, cards for me. But I um, uh, was riding in Canterbury last summer and uh, I did a they asked if I could do like a little interview in the paddock uh, before a race one day and just talking about, you know, coming from Australia and et cetera. And I did that. And, and then um, they said, can you pick a horse just out of what, you know, looking at them in the paddock and I guess, or whatever the horse, I picked one and, and we were joking. They're like, Oh, you're good at this. Blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, it was like, Oh, I said, well, why don't I do a race up there with, with Angela or, or KG, you know, and, and just for fun. And they're like, all right, let's do it. So I handicapped yeah. a race and did it in the paddock and, and it was and it was cool and went really good. So then we just did more like, you know, if I rode early in the car, they'd have me after I was done riding, do a couple of races. And then eventually I did the pre-race show one night with KG and and just kind of really enjoyed it. And um, but, you know, didn't think much of it. I just was like, well, you know, whatever, it's something to do. And who knows, maybe it'll be helpful at some stage, whatever. And, and so um, anyway, went off to Turf Paradise, rode the meet and then... Uh, a good friend of mine, um, Cara Toy, one day s- sent me the, an ad in the TDN for the job here at Monmouth. And she goes, hey, you'd be really good for this. And I was like, huh. And I'd, um, you know, I was having a bad meet and was kind of struggling with the with the riding and just kind of losing the love for it a little bit and, and whatever. So it just kind of was good timing. I wrote up my first resume of my life, which is like I'm 31 years old and, and <laughs> I've never had to write a resume. That's crazy. But That's, uh, that's called a victory where some people are. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ended up getting the job and, and uh, kind of got up here and was a bit like, oh, this is nuts. Because it's the first time I've ever done anything that wasn't riding, you know, like not even the racehorses. Like I always worked, you know, I rode professionally with the equestrian horses like I've never really had a real job so yeah I just kind of played out like that and by chance and um yeah I never would have thought this was was in the cards for sure so when what do you look for that pops out to you in the paddock like what what are some of the physical cues that maybe like some of us DJ and handicappers can take along with us to to maybe whatever we start looking at horses in the paddock before we're placing our bets um I really like I have sort of types of horses that Physically, I'm drawn to. I love sort of the tall, leggy kind of horses that are sort of short coupled. Um, but you know, and obviously, when you you know watching sprinters, you want to see. I like this like the short kind of one turn horses. I like when they come in and they're on the bridle a little bit. You know, they're dancing around without being kind of silly. Like I really like that kind of attitude. But you know, when you see the kind of the route horses, I love the big sort of long kind of horses. That watch them walk and, and they got like a real long fluid kind of walk and they overstep real like you can feel like that horse is going to get over the ground you know going easy um but yeah like a lot of the stuff I do here at Monmouth is just really watching the horses in the paddock their demeanor like two-year-olds what they look like the first time is how they're behaving you know they come out yeah. in the paddock and they're, and they're yelling for their friends they usually don't run good if they're if they're looking for their buddies when they come out for some reason you know and it's just um yeah, I just love looking at horses. <laughs> yeah. Talking about horses, I love it. But um, there's nothing I specifically look for. Obviously, it's easy to spot out, you know, a horse that doesn't look well. His coat's dull. He looks flat. You know, that sort of stuff's easy. Um, I, I really love looking at the two-year-olds and, and their physical sort of attributes and how physically mature they are or if I think they're going to be better next year and, and stuff like that. 
Well, if if you really love horses, I just want to mention that I'm a, a member of a religion that worships a deity that is uh, one half man, one half horse, one half Dale Romans. Uh, he is the Dale Tar. And uh, I have all sorts of educational pamphlets uh, with the Dale Tar, uh, if you would ever uh, like to hear about his glory. Praise be to he. Huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> Just throw it out there. Just throw it out there. Um, Have you, you'll still be working along with uh, Nancy Holthus, which I, you know, when I heard the announcement, I was like, oh, so I guess maybe Nancy's moving on to something new. She's not, which makes me excited because you'll get to work alongside Nancy, who is just absolute Oakland uh, royalty. She's always just well put together in a very yes queen kind of way are have you gotten to talk to nancy yet are are you excited uh to to get to get to work with her i have yeah i um i actually met nancy a couple of times at indiana when i was Ah, there we go yeah Yeah. that makes sense yeah so um i don't know her well but yeah i i'm familiar and um we had a good chat on the phone a couple of weeks ago and uh, whatnot so yeah she's awesome and uh, i'm i'm kind of glad that she's obviously staying on board to kind of guide me and uh, show me the ropes, so to speak, which is going to be excellent. I think uh, with uh, I think her, Matt, and I are going to be a pretty fun kind of team there. I'm excited for it. I, I'm excited to see like the, the, the three person thing. Cause for the, for the longest, it's always been Nancy with whoever the announcer is like having, having that sort of rotation, looking, looking forward to it. I think it's going to be as someone who's invested a lot of time watching the, the, uh, Oakland meet which uh if you I guess if you have it in your twitter handle you're pretty well required to uh at that point we're gonna get a word in real quick from our friends at hall of fame bets remember you can help us out by helping out our friends win bigger by betting smarter this nfl season with hall of fame bets the sports betting analytics platform for parlays player props and game lines research every nfl nba mlb and soccer bet with historical stats and data enter any parlay and idea into hall of fame bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire play sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value stop betting in the dark join over 30,000 users researching with hall of fame bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays download the hall of fame bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code sgpn get 50 percent off your first month today start researching start winning with hall of fame bets Okay, so Crystal, I like I said, I I offered this same courtesy to Matt uh, Dinnerman whenever he was on the show last week. Uh, w- what are some you know myths I can bust about Arkansas? What are some helpful things I can give you as like a like a you know board of tourism sort of thing for about Arkansas? Uh, please use me as a resource. Anything your your heart desires, please ask. Uh, um. I hear the food's not very good there. Have you got the spot for for the delicious eats? That you're the second person who I it was Megan. I was used to do a show with a uh, ABR and Megan Devine. She uh she she ripped into Oakland and Arkansas and the food and everything. There is so there is good. What what kind of food do you like? May I ask what kind of food? Um, uh, I love like obviously like Italian and stuff, but I do like some sushi. But I'm not gonna hold. I'm not having high hopes that there's going to be good sushi in Oakland. Yeah, that's kind of hard. Like we <laughs> might, might, may, I mean, if you can adjust your expectations a little bit to like oysters and shrimp the size of baby arms, like I'm sure that they, well, I'm not sure if they have the, the oyster bar there anymore, but uh, it was once there. Um, 
also like our, you know, little rocks like an hour away from hot springs like there's there's plenty there but uh if you like italian i mean especially if you like pizza deluca's is uh excellent plus barbecue i don't know do you do you do you dig on swine are you are you big on the smoked pig do you enjoy barbecue no well no because i didn't i was a vegetarian for like five or six years so um okay i I do like dabble in the meats a little now but barbecue is a little too that's a little too meaty for me (laughs) you you should come to little rock and you should go to the root cafe which is like down uh kind of downtown that's uh got pretty good like vegetarian fair plus there's actually a couple of good sushi spots uh not that not that far away anything else listen i know you've heard bad things about arkansas you can ask me anything i have no shame it's fine i actually honestly haven't everybody kind of says that it's it's a really fun meet and then um hot springs is is gorgeous um i was a little disappointed yesterday that the the closest trader joe's is in little rock but other than that um, um i don't have too many complaints yet um you you'll run into if you go to trader joe's in little rock you will probably bump into my wife buying a uh cart full of orange chicken at my my behest that's probably (laughs) probably pretty likely you more likely to meet her before me if that's the case if you're coming for trader joe's (laughs) that's great i might have to send her my shopping list she can do the, the trader joe's run for me for a nominal fee for a nominal fee we're affordable we're affordable crystal conning um Man, that's that's really that's all the questions I had. I I, I had some toughies and decided not to hold back. You know, I'll bring you on for a second one and then just absolutely grill you, grill you, give you my gotcha <laughs> moments. I, I will say I'm pretty excited for you to uh, to be working along with uh, with Matt Dinnerman. Uh, have you? I guess you've probably had some interaction with Matt now at this point. Of course, um, what is is he as much of a sweetie pie as he as he seems? Uh, I've only had a brief uh, conversation with Matt, but he does seem very very nice um yeah and from all reports is a stand-up guy so yeah i think it's going to be an excellent team i i had him do like a one word like association and like the the one that was supposed to blow his mind which was like you know word association and the word was matt dennerman and he was like personable i was like god damn it you are i'd, yeah. I'd be damned i'd be damned <laughs> Well, Crystal, thank you so much for joining. Uh, we're going to have more Notorious OTV this week. We got uh, Barry Spears tomorrow. We're going to take a look at the Keeneland Friday card, how we're going to attack it with a $100 budget. Uh, Matthew DeSantis, uh, another one of uh, America's Sweetie Pies, uh, he's going to be joining on Friday. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the Keeneland Saturday late pick five. It's just a Keeneland week, I guess. Get used to it until the fall meet ends. Mm-hmm. Crystal, thank you for much, so much for joining. That's going to do it for us here at the Notorious OTV, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.